father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There, he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then, Abraham set out and continued towards Negev. Now there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. And he was about to enter Egypt. He said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Beautifully read. I think a round of applause for Sky and Brianna, please, everybody. <coughs> Excuse me, beautifully read. Uh, last year, what was last year like for you? I'm going to say last year was an adventure. Last year was an adventure, whether you liked it or not. Last year was an adventure that we might not have expected to have, at least not in the way that we had it. But last year was an adventure, and I don't think this year is going to be much different. Today, we're beginning a new series on Abraham, talk called Adventures in Faith with Abraham. I don't know about you, but I, um, I, I find the adventures of life sometimes rather more than I can handle. And I need faith. I need God. I need God's faith. And the example of Abraham <clears throat> is extraordinary in a way that he had faith all the way through his adventures of his very long life. 
And I believe there are lessons from Abraham's life for me and for all of us that are going to help us, help us to handle what's coming up in the year ahead that we don't even know about just yet. I don't know about you, but I got a little bit fed up recently with uh, seeing online or being sent on my WhatsApp or whatever, rather a lot of uh, pictures, graphics, memes, headlines about Thank goodness 2020 is over. Let's hope 2021 is better. And although I share the sentiment that I, I hope the future is better than the past in some ways, and the past has been very challenging in 2020, I think the truth is every year has its challenges. Every year is an adventure in the Christian life. Even if you're not a Christian, it's a bit of an adventure. It's just that with, with God, we have the strength to help us to go through the challenges of the adventure that we have. Last year has been very, very challenging for many people with health, financial challenges, uh, anxieties, uh, mental health uh, issues. Uh, some of us know people who've died because of COVID and, uh, and that's a, a tragedy and awful. It's just that as we go, as we look back, we can see that though God has been at work. And as we look forward to 2021, we can anticipate that God will be with us on the journey. I think there are some things we're going to learn today, I hope, from Genesis 12 about God and Abraham and the way that they interacted and what Abraham learned that will help us to be better prepared for the adventure of faith that God has in mind for us in the coming year. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, how to get ready to live an adventurous life of faith, how to get ready now for what's coming down the pipe that you and I don't even know is coming. So we're going to look at three things today. Let me tell you in advance. As we look back at Genesis 12 here that was so well read, we're going to be talking firstly about how to listen to God. If we're going to have a year of adventurous faith, we need to learn better how to listen to God. So we're going to be talking about listening to God. Secondly, we're going to be talking about how to take God at his word. How to take God at his word. And thirdly, we're going to be talking about uh, how to accept the Lord's discipline, how to accept God's discipline. So I hope the emphasis here is not so much on Abraham as on God, because in the end, Abraham was a man just like you and I, a person just like you and I, and we can take lessons from that. But the focus of the whole thing of Genesis 12 and this whole big book really is God. And if we can understand the way that God is moving and working and can help us, then we'll be better prepared for the year coming up. So firstly, listening to God. How do you feel about the whole topic of listening to God? Depending on what kind of Christian faith tradition you might come from or your own personality, I think some of us feel more comfortable with the idea of listening to God than others. But what we find, at least here with Abraham, is that God speaks and Abraham listens. God said to Abraham, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. And he gives him promises. I'll make you a great nation and everything else. And so at least one thing we know is not only did God speak, but Abraham listened. I believe this might be the most important thing I'll say today, looking at this passage and thinking about where we are and where we're going is that for me personally, and for us as a church in the Thames Valley area, and for any of us here on this call today, 
perhaps the most significant thing we can commit ourselves to in 2021 is to do our best to learn better how to listen to God. <clears throat> Not to say we don't listen or we can't listen, but to learn better how to listen better to God. When I look at the scriptures, I look at the Gospels and the, the book of Acts, it seems to me that the apostles, the followers of Jesus, his disciples, learned better how to listen to God as time went on. You'll see at the beginning of their following of Jesus, they're a lot more confused than they are at the end. They're still a little bit confused, even at the end when he dies on the cross and the resurrection, they still don't quite put all the pieces together. But they seem to have learned better and better how to listen. And the reason why I can say that with confidence is when we go into the book of Acts, we see them responding more accurately in line with the will of God as they as they uh, as as the Spirit moves through them in Acts two and three and four and five and ten and fifteen. They they seem to learn that better and better. And I think one of the adventures of the Christian life is learning better how to connect with God more fully, more completely, more consistently through our days and through our lives. And so that this, this is a key component of what it means to be a mature Christian, a growing Christian, somebody who is, is in not only loving God, but, but drawing close to him and learning how to help others draw close to him, is that we learn better and better how to listen to God. So how do you feel about the idea of making perhaps one of your, one of your aims this year to grow in learning how to listen to God. Abraham's adventure of faith does not begin without him listening. It does not begin without him hearing God's voice. There are different ways we hear God's voice together. Uh, today, uh, we, we you, I, and I, I wouldn't want to limit God in the way that he speaks to us. Sometimes he speaks to us in our dreams. Sometimes we, we, when we're praying, it's like we almost maybe hear the voice of God in some way or other. Sometimes it comes through just reading God's word, perhaps meditating on a psalm or another scripture that's significant to us and spending time with some silence, with some space in our day and in our lives so that we can actually hear God speak spirit to spirit, you might say. I don't know what it is for you that will help you to listen to the Lord, but I would suggest that it's something worth investigating, praying about reading about and talking together with our in our fellowships here in our locations and our family groups with our friends one another here how do we listen to God how do we better listen because once Abraham listens his life is never the same again and God's purposes are carried out think about what's going on here think about the significance of what's happening here in chapter 12 because up to chapter 12 we've only had thumbnail sketches of people we don't get a lot of detail about Adam and Eve or Cain and Abel or Noah even. Or there's a bit more, but not much about Noah and his family, even the people at Babel. There's, there's no real information there in any detail. And it's like it's all, it's all a bit black and white. It's all a bit two-dimensional until we get to chapter 12. And now in chapter 12, we have, we're presented with Abraham. Here is Abraham, Sarai, his wife, Lot, all these other characters. And it's like all of a sudden we go from black and white, two-dimensional uh, 720p to 4K ultra high def stuff. And we get and we get this development of Abraham from chapter 12 all the way through to chapter 25. 
with with his life and his faith and what happens to him and the detail of conversations he has with people and with God and and, and we get now we get now this vision for how God is going to bring about his purposes of healing what happened in Eden, all the damage that was done in Eden, Eden, and then the first murder with Cain and Abel, and then the wickedness of the world uh, uh, wiped away by the flood, and then the, the pride and the arrogance of what happens with Babel at the beginning of chapter 11, and how people want to make a name for themselves. And then what do we find in chapter 12? Abraham, who is not trying to make a name for himself, but instead through whom God says, I will make a name for you. I will make something of you. We have this reversal. We have this way of God saying, men may try it, mankind, humankind might try to fix things, but only I can really fix things. And I can only really fix things and bring healing to this world and to people's hearts and souls and spirits. I can only do it through people who are willing to listen to me. This is how God's going to work through Thames Valley in 2021. I'll make a bold statement, but I think it's fair. God's going to make going to accomplish his purposes in this church in our locations in our lives if we become a people who learn better how to listen to god i think it's a key component of what's going on here he listens and he listens and he trusts you know it's a wonderful thing about abraham is the level of trust he has in god as he sets out as it says in Hebrews 11:8, he went even though he didn't know where he was going. And I don't know about you, but I feel like that so often in my Christian life. Like, I don't really know where I'm going. God, where are we going? Where is the church going? Where am I going? Where are we going? So often we feel that in our lives. And I dare say we're going to feel that somewhat in 2021. But Abraham was someone who went even though he did not know where he was going. Yeah, God said, go to the land of Canaan, but he didn't tell him what postcode. He just said, go, go over there, you know, make this journey north and across and then south and go through the land. And he goes down through the land from um, from Shechem down south to the, to the Negev, ultimately to Egypt. And he has this adventurous faith, this trust in God that says, God, even though you haven't told me how you're going to sort this out, even though you haven't given me all the details, even though you haven't given me the coordinates, okay, I'm just going to go. And he has this faith-filled trust in God that I believe is what keeps him emotionally and spiritually stable through the challenges that come up. Now, we're going to see even today that he has his failings and faults, just like you and I. But as you look through the trajectory of his life, the whole of his life from beginning to end, you see so, so clearly how he lived as a man of faith. And no wonder we have all this detail about Abraham here as well as in the New Testament, which we'll be talking about another time. He's held up as a paragon of faith, as someone for us of the new covenant with the Spirit, as someone to look back, back at and say, that kind of faith is what I want and what I need, and I'm glad is available. This is what's going on. So one of the questions here I think I've been wrestling with over the Christmas New Year period is, how, how do I do at wanting to listen to God and what are the barriers to me uh, stopping long enough and being quiet long enough to hear God speak to me what are the things in the way and one of the things that gets in the way for a lot of us is a nagging suspicion that God reluctantly loves us and kind of reluctantly saved us but he doesn't really like us very much because we're 
we're naughty a lot of the time we don't do what he says and we don't really match up to what we think a christian should be like and we have this guilt and, and regret and we forget how much he desperately loves us he loves us despite our sins i guess that's true and he doesn't treat us as we deserve he loves us so much in john 14 23 jesus said if anyone loves me he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him jesus says he and the father and of course the spirit too they live in us willingly they want to live in you and me that's how much god loves us we've been given the holy spirit ephesians 1 14 uh, 13 and 14 we're sealed in him the holy spirit of promise given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of god's own possession you and i belong to god he's committed to you and i we can safely listen to him because he's committed to us it gives us that security that even though sometimes he may take us places we don't want to go or don't feel prepared for nonetheless we are loved we're cherished we're accepted we belong to him we're his sons and daughters whether you're old or young, whether you're single or married, whether you're a parent or an empty nester or what, wherever we are in life, we're equally valued, equally important to God, and we are cherished. He loves us. And this takes the pressure off. It takes the pressure off because we, we're only reacting to his love. We're not trying to make him love us. We are charged with accepting his love. And you know when you really love somebody, you listen to them you listen and you listen patiently and you listen enough to let them explain themselves one of the things about good friendships and healthy marriages and uh, but all healthy relationships is that they're characterized by a desire and a willingness to listen more than to speak now I think that's a bit of a challenge for some of us more than others but but you know it's true we feel most loved, more or less, I can think I can say this fairly safely, we feel most loved by the people who listen best to us. And some of us like it also when people are nice to us and give us things and that kind of thing as well. That helps some of us to feel loved. But, but if we don't feel listened to, or if we're not listened to, it's very hard to feel loved by somebody. But when you really love somebody, you will shut up and listen you'll zip the lip and you'll let that person speak for as long as they need to um and this makes for a healthy relationship and it means that love is the uh, the bedrock of a relationship so because we're loved we listen we're loved so much by god that we listen we love him so much because of what he's done for us that we're willing to listen and what is he what is Abraham listening to? He's listening to God's vision for his life. Look at the vision he gives him. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great. Uh, you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I'll curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Do you get the repetition of blessed and blessing there? Five times in those short verses. Blessed, blessing, blessed, blessing. The emphasis is on blessing. Indeed, the book of Genesis, you have 80 references to blessing, whereas only 310 others in the whole of the rest of the New Testament. 
there's an emphasis on God is with his people and he wants them to be blessed and to be a blessing of others such that other people will notice is actually the point because he says all peoples on earth will be blessed through you a different way of translating that phrase could be to say like you'll become a byword of blessing like people would say oh I wish I was as blessed as Abraham or I wish you could be I wish on you the blessings of the type of blessings that Abraham enjoyed Abraham will become so famous so well known for being blessed that everybody else will count them will sort of judge their level of blessing against Abraham's and this is because God has chosen this way it's not because there's something necessarily special about Abraham it's just God said you're the one and if you'll work with me this is going to work out for, for you but also for humankind the way the world will know that there is a God is by seeing how life works when people trust God when our lives are shown to work because we trust God because we listen to him and 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 take God at his word then the world will know and yes we can share our faith and speak about our testimony and, and absolutely open our mouth but so much of what makes Christianity something people want is when they see that it works so one of the challenges for us one of the things that I would suggest that we uh, might want to think about is how might we best live out our Christian faith such that others will will know of this great God um, so many scriptures on that we haven't got time for now but I have put some in the uh, in the chat uh, uh, earlier on there all right so first thing and far by far most significantly most importantly we have a healthy exciting adventure with God when we learn to listen better second and third points a little more briefly second what do we see about Abraham we see that he takes God at his word the adventure of faith of the Christian life really depends upon us taking God at his word and that's what he does in verse 4 it just three words so Abraham went so Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him and his whole extended family here so what are we seeing here we're seeing him take God at his word in a way that must have been pretty challenging although nomadic groups didn't move around at that period in time still if you're going to leave your father's household you're leaving security you're taking a lot of dependent people with him Abraham already has uh, an extended family around him including Lot uh, he's taking people dependent upon him he's going to a new country where there are new uh, uh, value the values will be different most likely the food's probably different the climate's probably different the way of doing business would be different to where he's from there are a lot of cha challenges and differences for him here as he moves on he's leaving his father behind he's leaving his brothers behind his extended family his culture his food his language so many things are left behind you know one of the things that we see in the scriptures over and over again and the Christian life bears this out is the growth in the Christian life and the growth of faith in the Christian life requires not only stepping forward in in some ways but also leaving some things behind leaving some things behind a little point here for us to think about what are you leaving behind in 2020 that you need to leave there are there some things that you really need to leave there you need to leave them behind so that you can move on it's both isn't it to move means to leave something then move somewhere else if we're going to grow in faith and our effectiveness for God as a church and personally 
It means leaving some things behind. Some things we might want to leave behind is, um, is, is a burden of guilt. If there's some things from last year that we regret, some regrets, sins that we regret, uh, the burden of guilt that comes from that, it's important we leave it behind. Not cover it up as such, but there may be a need to talk about it with God or with a friend. But nonetheless, it's not going to help us to serve God well moving into the new year if we're still burdened by regret and guilt from the year just gone. Is there some of that to leave behind? And I realized in my reviewing of my year that I'd not, I'd not prioritized my own adult children enough. My daughter Lydia, my, her, her husband, my son-in-law, and uh, my son Fred, some of you will know. I, I was in touch with them during the year, but I was thinking about and they are adult children, so they've left the home. But I was still thinking, I don't feel good about my contact level, my devotion to them, my love for them in 2020. So one of the things I I recognized that, and of course, when I recognized that, I felt quite burdened by it. I felt certainly guilty. And uh, I hadn't been living up to my responsibilities as a dad, and especially as a Christian dad. So I feel actually quite bad about that. But I, it's not going to help me to go into 2021 without burdening me. Instead, let me leave that behind and move on towards what is ahead and trust God that he'll help me to be a different dad in 2021. Are there some things for you to leave behind in last year? Maybe one of the other things we need to leave behind, and I'm not quite sure where this goes, but we might need to leave behind our desires for things to go back to normal. I think for some of us, this is rather challenging. We want everything to be like it was. I'm not sure it's ever going to be like it was. I don't think the pandemic will last forever, but I, I assume there are going to be some things that are never quite the same again. And maybe we won't meet together quite as often as we used to altogether. Maybe we won't have classes in the same way we did. Maybe I, I don't know what the future holds exactly, but I don't think it's helpful to look to the past to be the pattern for the future. We can get stuck in our traditions, can't we? Every church can, any group can, any family can get stuck in their traditions and not be flexible enough to let the spirit move so that we can go forward. We see the church in the book of Acts as a church that kept evolving, developing, learning, trying new things. Usually the things they had to try were not things they wanted to try, but the spirit allowed so that they could then grow and learn and the gospel could be spread. Do we need to leave behind the way we want church to go back to? Perhaps God has a different vision of the way that church will function. The values will be the same, but perhaps some of the practices will be different and in some ways will be better because God is in it. You know, we have a mission in Thames Valley. I was talking about this quite a bit towards the end of last year with a number of people. What is the mission of Thames Valley? I don't think it's, I'm not sure it's been written down exactly, but here's how I see it, all right? As someone who's now been involved with Thames Valley for, uh, is it six years now? I think it is. Uh, and, and what a joy that's been and continues to be. The way that I see it is like this, and, and you may dispute this, but that's fine. It's the way I see it. The way I see the, the sort of vision for Thames Valley, the mission for Thames Valley, if you like, is that God has called us to cooperate with the spirit so this is a spirit-led thing not a human strategy thing i think god has called you and i 
to uh, cooperate with the spirit in spreading the good news across south southwest England. Let's put it that way. Sort of south, not all of South England, but the south and the southwest bit of England. But we, we cooperate with the spirit in spreading the good news, the good news of Jesus, that the king has come, the kingdom is here. We cooperate with the spirit, which is again about listening. And the way that I see that the way that Thames Valley has developed over the last few years, as new family groups have been established, new locations have been established, uh, things like Dorset have grown out of almost nothing in the last 10 years, uh, which is a wonderful thing, and become a church effectively. And all these locations are really churches in, a, in their own right, in a sense. And But we're one, but we're several. And, and it, it's not necessarily the way a human would strategize it as things have sprung up here and there in places you might not have expected. But it's so exciting. The way that God has brought people to this congregation from other parts of the world, uh, even the far-flung uh, and uncivilized parts of Manchester that some of us uh, have come from recently. It's been it's amazing how God how God brings brings people together in a way you would never expect, right? So we've got to notice this. It's again about listening, noticing what God is doing and cooperate. So I mean, here's the question. What is God doing in your life right now? What is the Spirit doing in your life or in your neighborhood or in your family group, your, you know, your place? What is God doing that you could cooperate with? Maybe it's something you don't want. Maybe it's something you don't like. But what is what do, what do you sense, or the group that you're in, what do you sense as you pray together and talk together? What do you sense is the way the Spirit is moving? And what can you do to cooperate with that? So let's have our own ideas. Let's read books, and that's all fine and good. Nothing wrong with that. But in the end, we've got to try, we've got to together try and figure out what is the Spirit doing? How can I cooperate with Him? Now, at least part of that, and I'm going to mention this just briefly for now because it'll be a theme through the whole year. But then part of that is also figuring out what our gifts are so that we can plug those into cooperating with the Spirit. And uh, one of our themes this year is about using our gifts. It's, it's, it's actually something that the Thames Valley Church has as a strength, in my opinion. But it's something we always need to continue to develop. In, uh, in Romans 12, it talks about lots of different gifts and that we should use them. They've been given to us by, by God's grace, uh, allotted as a, by, to each as a measure of faith. Uh, there are many members, but one body. We don't all have the same function. Uh, we have different gifts, so let's use them. If it's um, uh, uh, each of us to use them, exercise them accordingly. If it's prophecy, according to their faith, in service, in serving. Teach, if it's teaching, then teaching. If it's exhortation, then exhort. If it's give, then do so generously. If you lead, then do so diligently. If it's mercy, showing doing uh, showing mercy with cheerfulness. We've got different gifts. We've got different ways to glorify God. What's yours? What's your gift to God's church in this area? You've got one. You might have ten, but you've got at least one. What's your gift? You say, well, I don't know. I'm not very good at... Well, okay. Often we don't see our own gifts clearly, then that's why we're in community. So let's be a community helping each other to discover our gifts so that we can plug into the operation, the work of the Spirit, to cooperate with the Spirit, to bring God glory by spreading the good news across South and Southwest England at the very least. Who knows where God will take us ultimately. So we see with Abraham, 
that his ability to be a blessing to the nations depended upon him listening to God. But secondly, it depended upon him having that faithful trust in taking God and his word and going his way. And so he did. And on he went. Now, thirdly and finally, the third part of having a healthy faith adventure with God is being willing to accept God's discipline. Now, we don't have time to explore all of the last part of chapter 12 when they go to Egypt because of the famine. And then Abraham um, Abraham makes a decision that uh, a marriage guidance counselor would probably tell him was a bad idea, right? So he says to his uh, wife, please tell Pharaoh you're my sister and then everything will be fine for me. <laughs> fine for me. Okay, Abraham, great. Fine for you. What about poor old Sarai? And what about what God might want? You'll notice there's no mention of God in the chapter from verse uh, chapter 12 and verse 10 down to verse 13, this whole, uh, no, verse 16, that whole section there, no mention of God, plenty of mention of Abraham and how his plan will benefit him. So we see that he's a man of clay, right? He's like you and I. He has his weaknesses, he has his failings, and uh, that's what he decides to do. And he's even blessed. He's even blessed because Pharaoh gives him sheep and cattle, donkeys, servants, and camels. So it looks like it's working out. And sometimes, <laughs> this is the, one of the ironies, sometimes when we do things our own way, it looks like it works out for a while. Anyway, God is not fooled and God will not go back on his promises. He said, whoever curses you, I'll curse. Whoever blesses you, I'll bless. Well, in this situation, uh, Abraham is cursing Pharaoh by doing this, effectively, <clears throat> because the plagues come, these diseases rather, on Pharaoh and his household. And Pharaoh somehow figures it out. We don't know how, but he figures it out. And he says to Abraham, what in the world? You told me she was your sister. What is going on? And uh, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? And he says, now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Get out of my sight. He gives orders to Abraham, about Abraham to his men. They sent him on his way. I rather imagine they frog-marched him out of Egypt with a military escort, getting rid of him with his wife and everything that he had. One of the things I, I mean, I, one can never excuse rebellion towards God and sin, but one of the things I like about the Bible is that uh, the Bible shows us that its heroes are people like you and me. Abraham acts in self-preservation. His fear clouds his judgment. He doesn't see objectively that God is much bigger than Pharaoh. This is a, con this is a, con uh, a contest between two kings, God king and Pharaoh king. And Abraham forgets that God king is rather bigger than Pharaoh king. His fears get in the way. I, I, was, I think when I look back on most of my regrets of my Christian life and most of my sins as a Christian, so many of them, maybe the vast majority, were caused by my fear. My fear of what if I do give God full control? What if I'm really honest? What if I really sacrifice? What if I'm really generous? What if, what if, what if, what if? And I have this imaginary scenario in my mind. You see, we've got Abraham with a real problem of the famine. That's real. But then an imagined problem. But what if Pharaoh tries to kill me? He doesn't know that's going to happen. Our imagination is a wonderful thing. It makes us human. 
but it's also a challenge to us because our imagination can take us places where God is absent. One of the things we might want to think about this year is how we can discipline our imagination to be surrendered to God. And some of us have a probably more active imagination than others, but all of us have it to some extent. How can we fill our mind so much with an awareness of the presence of God that it disciplines our ungodly, the ungodliness of our imagination when that happens? So we, Abraham learns, and he learns his lesson, um, at least part of the lesson. We'll look more at that in another, another lesson coming up in Genesis. But he, he does hold on to God through this, as we find in chapter uh, 13 when we get there uh, next Sunday. So he doesn't lose his faith. He has to accept God's discipline. A lot of the spiritual growth in our lives comes not because we don't make mistakes, but because we make them and learn from them and let God discipline you and I. Sometimes it's quite severe as it is here, but it is always for our own good. Let me just wrap up by saying a couple of things. I found the Christmas New Year period um, really interesting on some on several levels because it wasn't like normal like for most of us but one of the things i did enjoy but i found it um what's the right word not interesting but found anyway gave me pause for thought I was thinking through this year and the lessons that god had taught me and thinking about what i'm setting my heart and mind on for for 2021 and i had an experience about two weeks ago when i was praying and I'm walking through the woods just at the back of here where i live and I loved that. And uh, I was walking through a, a little path and I heard a crack up above me to the above and to the left in the canopy of the woods and a cracking sound. And I thought that's a br branch of a tree breaking off and falling. And so I stepped off the path underneath a large tree with a big trunk and I stood there and a big branch fell down about 20 meters away or something like that. I thought, ooh, you know, glad I wasn't too close to that. And I, I paused for a moment and I walked on. I'd walked 10 paces down this path and an almighty crack uh, I, I was heard behind me. I mean, it made me jump. It was so loud, really loud cracking sound. And I, I ran forward a couple of paces and then turned off the path into the woods at right angles and ran for about another 10 yards and stood underneath another big tree. I looked behind me and a tree fell down across the path where I'd been walking 10 seconds earlier. And this is a sizable tree. I mean, the trunk was about this big, I would say, something like this. I went back to it afterwards to see if I could, I could move it off the path and I couldn't shift it, couldn't move it, it was so heavy. And it was right across the path where I had been seconds earlier. And if I hadn't moved, I'd heard that first crack and I moved on. If I hadn't moved, I'd have been right underneath that tree. If that tree had fallen on me, I would not be speaking to you today. No chance. I, at the very least, I'd have been very badly injured. I'd have broken bones. I'd have ended up in hospital. I wouldn't be here today. It, it's a very reasonable chance that if it, it had fallen on me, I, would not, I wouldn't be alive. I would be dead. And it shook me up. I was standing by this other trunk of this other tree looking around for other things that might fall on me and, and not daring to move for a little while. 
And then I, after a while, and it, it was after a bit of a storm, so there were some loose branches and trees around. <coughs> Excuse me. And after a while, I thought, no, I need to move on. I probably need to get out of this wood and go home. So on I went. And as I went, I asked God, what was that about? God, what was that? That was a narrow shave. What was that about? And I think he spoke to me. Two, two things came to my mind as I reflected on it. And the first was, I have an enemy. And so do you and I. Well, so do all of us. We have an enemy. We have a roaring lion that wanders around looking for someone to devour. We have an enemy in this world. He's not going to have ultimate victory, but he is interfering in this world. And he does not want you and I to be our best for God. He doesn't want us listening to God. Anything he can do to distract us with our smartphones, our devices, our pings on our emails, and our WhatsApps, of just being busy in life, anything that he can do to our imagination or our fears or our anxieties about the past or regrets or sins, anything that can cloud our judgment and raise fears in our hearts so that we don't hear the voice of God, he's happy about that. He is against us being connected with God. Anything he can do to prevent us from connect, from cooperating with the Spirit, he wants to do, to sow disunity, to sow disharmony, to cause us to be so afraid of what could happen that we're not aware of what God is already doing. The first thing is, I thought, I have an enemy. He wants me to be fearful. He wants me not to be connected. And the second thought that came to my mind was, my life matters. It matters. What I do with my life truly matters. Abraham's life matters. It mattered and it still matters. And somehow we held on to that all through his ups and downs. Your life and mine really matters. I, I don't know how much it matters. I don't know in what ways God might use you and I and this church, but it does matter what we do. It does matter how we use our time. It does matter that we use our freedom uh, with spirit, uh, with, from a, with the freedom that we have with, from a spiritual perspective to serve God and to serve others. It does matter how we worship. It does matter how we pray. It does matter what attitude we take towards God's word. It does matter how we love one another. These things matter. You and I, our lives really, truly, they matter. And they matter probably far more than we realize. I was back at that spot this morning. I thought, let me go back out and, uh, and pray there some more. So uh, this morning I walked out to remind myself. And in fact, I've been walking past that spot at least once a week since then to remind myself, excuse me, of, 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 of this, of my preservation, of the fact that God took care of me and to remind myself that I have an enemy and that my life matters. So my encouragement to myself and to all of us here uh, this morning is to take some lessons from this adventurous faith life of Abraham and how it all began. It all began with God speaking and Abraham listening. If we did nothing else this year, but learned better how to listen to God, then couldn't we then be better equipped to cooperate with God's Spirit and to move when he teaches us and shows us to move, to take him at his word. And on the way, as we make mistakes personally and collectively, as we go on the way, then we accept the discipline that God brings into our lives 
because he disciplines us for our good according to what we need so that we grow in Christ-likeness, so that we become better ambassadors for him in this world. I hope you find these thoughts helpful. Let's listen to God. Let's take God at his word and let's accept God's discipline. Thanks very much and God bless you.